0: Welcome back to the Magic Story Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie. And I'm your other host, Harless. The Magic Story Podcast recaps the fiction story of Magic the Gathering. And we add our own bits of flavor text along the way. We are in season five, which follows the story of Wilds of Eldraine. And today is the finale of our season. Say it ain't so, Natalie. I'm not ready to leave Eldraine yet.
1: No, it went by
0: fast. So fast.
1: Well, today's story is about episode of the wilds of Eldrain story and it is titled Broken Oaths and it's written by K Arsenal Rivera join us as we head into the multiverse. multiverse All right so what have we covered so far the answer is a lot. The consequences of the Phyrexian invasion had taken the previous High King, Rowan, and Will Kenrith's father. Rowan's twin brother, Will Kenrith, had ascended the throne, and to say the siblings clashed over this is a massive understatement. Rowan went off on her own in order to find a cure to a curse plaguing the realm called the Wicked Slumber, which is currently putting everyone to sleep. And when she returns to Castle Ardenvale, she finds the witch Ariette, who was responsible for putting the world to sleep with the magic from her glass apple. And she has been exploiting the sleeping people, turning them into her puppets with the help of Ashiok, a planeswalker commonly referred to as the Nightmare, as they have the ability to manipulate dreams. Meanwhile, we were introduced to a new character in Magic named Kellen, a half-human, half fey youth of 16, who grew up in a small village called Oranshire, which is an idyllic farmland far away from the horrors of the Phyrexian invasion or the Wicked Slumber. But Kellen wanted the truth about his blood father, and the fae lord Talion quested him with taking down the three witches responsible for the Wicked Slumber in exchange for that very information. Anxious to leave his home and set out on an adventure, Kellen does just that. He meets up with Ruby, a tenacious girl with a knack for throwing things, and together they take down the first witch, Agatha, rescuing Sir Immodane and Ruby's brother Peter from her clutches. With the help of Trojan, they then climbed a giant beanstalk, a feat accomplished after Kellen took a potion that turned him into a frog, so delightful, to arrive at Stormkeld, the Castle of Giants. After consulting the Mirror of Indralon, they discover that the Ice Witch Hilda is shrouded in perpetual winter around Loch Laurent. This task, to penetrate the castle, was the most difficult one yet, which we saw just last episode. Kellen was able to unlock his magical hilts for the first time, turning them into swords of light to take down the Frost Warriors. But ultimately, it was Ruby who carried Kellen through the relentless winter storm and confronted Hilda. The Ice Witch was no foe, it turned out, just... Lonely and isolated. And Ruby's tenacity and courage melted Hilda's icy exterior, revealing a friend. She gave them some critical information that there was actually a fourth person responsible for the wicked slumber, and that it was none other than Talion themselves, which they had not told Kellen when they tasked him with the quest at the beginning, by the way. Furious, Kellen had confronted Talion at the end of our episode last time. Talion was unmoved by Kellen's anger, telling him the hint of the final witch's location. Ariette at Castle Ardenvale and said they will tell Kellen about
0: his father in exchange for defeating her. So today we start kind of right where we left off there. Kellen and Ruby are headed to Castle Ardenvale to confront Ariette and defeat her in order to end the wicked slumber once and for all. It's really interesting though, because we readers know that it's not just Ariette at that castle, it's Rowan and Ashiok too. And Kellen is in a way because his once gallant quest in his mind feels like a trick played on him by Talion. So he's not in the greatest mood. But I find it really interesting that the first word of this episode refers to Kellen as a child. And I'll read it for you. Child Kellen to the castle ruins comes. Though his and Ruby's deeds have merited them the recent gift of ponies, he does not feel heroic astride his new steed. Far from it. As he surveys the once-proud hills and valleys around Castle Ardenvale, all he feels is resignation.
1: Poor Kellen. He's not dissuaded from his quest when Ruby asks him about it, though. He just continues to say what he's insisted this whole time, that they're doing the right thing, and that's that. So in his heart, Kellen is absolutely still believing in the nobleness of what he's doing, regardless of Talion playing tricks, as the Fae so often do. I also point out that Hilda had gifted Ruby with a giant magical ice sword, which is strapped across her person as they ride toward Castle Ardenvale. Their approach is eerily quiet. Absolutely no adversaries on sight. And they reach the gates, and I'll read this next part from the story. The proverbial storm that will consume them has torn the door from its hinges. The rotted, corrupted heart of the curse has eaten away at the wood. The dreamers that lurk behind it are the nightmares that plagued Kellen during their journey here. This is not a place of succor or rest, nor a place of glory. It is a
0: place where wounds fester. So Kellen forces himself to enter Castle Ardenvale despite all of this, and Ruby follows. They realize they don't want to hurt the sleeping guards and would rather not go through them. So Kellen has an idea. The bottle of frogification from Troyan they had saved. This time Ruby takes it and from the base of the castle walls they jump to their destination. They are met with no resistance beyond the gates as Ariette likely did not expect anyone to bypass them and the guards without her notice. They decide to head to the throne room as that is where Ariette most likely is. Together the two heroes follow the winding cords of Violet through the halls of Castle Ardenvale. Past empty bedrooms, ransacked war rooms, and raided armories they skulk. So open are their ears that the passing squeaks of mice are as loud as a dragon's dying cry. They hear footsteps approach them amidst this quiet, and it's
1: Rowan. Kellen recognizes her and jumps out to greet her, and they both think that Rowan Kenrith is here for the same reason they are, right? Like, they think she's here to apprehend Ariat And take her down. They have no reason to believe otherwise. They absolutely cannot fathom that Rowan would be here by choice and that she's an adversary to them. But we, as readers, know that she is. Rowan frowns at them, asking who they even are. And Ruby responds with, We're heroes. I think the two of you should leave, Rowan says, sparks beginning to crackle from her fingertips. It's best if you weren't here. And there's something in Rowan's voice that alerts Kellen to the truth that there is something wrong. He had come across a page strewn across a table with red-brown jagged ink that said Attempt 23. Hadn't been able to put anyone to sleep yet except the old-fashioned way. And he's starting to connect the dots as to why Rowan might really be
0: here and what she's up to. Right then, Rowan attacks with her spark magic, and Kellen's vision goes white. A short while later, he's being forced awake by Ruby dumping cold water on him. Sir Rowan knocked us both out. Ruby says. She was trying to work some kind of dream magic on you when I woke up, but then... Kellen's eyes land on sleeping guards face down on the ground. Clattering metal and creaking wood echoed down the stone stairs to their small cell. The cavalry arrived. She went off to deal with it, so I got my sword and woke you up. Ruby goes on to say that Rowan thought she was helping the both of them by trying to put them to sleep. I mean... It is possible. I don't think Rowan wanted to hurt them or wanted them to get hurt in any way, but I'm also not entirely sure that was her motivation. I think she was trying to also maybe experiment on them. But they both decide that they are still going to confront the witch Ariette, And this is where we switch to Rowan's perspective. In her heart of
1: hearts, Rowan Kenrith knew this dream could not last. At this point, Will Kenrith's knights are sieging Castle Ardenville, knights bursting through the gates and taking down the sleeping guards. They are definitely outnumbered and overwhelmed by Will's forces. Ariette summons her violet spells to use on many guards, rousing them to defend herself and Rowan. And it is revealed here that Ashiok had left the realm for business elsewhere. And I just got to say, what business? We're all wondering, yeah, Ashiok, we're, we're what are you doing? What business are you doing elsewhere? Yeah, what could they possibly be doing? So Rowan right now is the only protection that Ariat has. And Rowan stands beside her in the throne room when the knights breach it, led by Sir Imodain. Rowan's magic temporarily stops her with a bolt of lightning. And what's most surprising here is that Immodane refers to Will as the High King of Eldrin. So she'd finally come over to Will's side, believing that he is the one to unify the realm. Which is quite a
0: shift from the beginning of the story, but all things considered. But this only makes Rowan more furious, declaring... There is no High King of Eldrain. Turn tail and return to the pretender Imidane, or I'll dash you across the rocks. And Imidane is shocked to see Rowan here, as is her brother when he rides in. Seeing him is seeing all the parts she least likes of herself externalized into someone else. Worse still, when he narrows his eyes, when he calls with his voice full of disbelief and ache, Rowan, what are you doing? There is a lump in her throat. A pain unspeakable when her brother looks at her like this, like he's afraid of her, like he wants her to be something other than who she is, to wake up one day and return to being the woman he knew before. When will he realize the Rowan he knew is dead? I'm learning how to save the realm, she says. Listen to yourself. Working with witches? Cursing the realm? This isn't like you, he says. Is this what he thinks a high king should be? A man who was on the verge of tears atop his warhorse. Please come home. But still,
1: she thinks her brother doesn't understand her or what she's trying to do. And in fact, this is true. Neither of them understand the other, I think. I mean, Rowan is here in her pain and she has clearly decided to take this very incorrect path. Like like Will said clear and plain very here. Very incorrect. Working with witches. Yeah, yeah. Cursing the very realm she's trying to protect, like none of that makes any sense. And so this is kind of the moment when I think Will realizes like, wow, Rowan has changed more than
0: more than I thought she had. She's veered so far off her path, you know. And and I think I don't think Will realized that this is how far Rowan would have gone when she left, you know, at the beginning of this season. And I don't think any of us did, but it's clear Rowan has ventured very, very far away from from where she was i also think that this line um says a lot here the one that says
1: when she thinks to herself R- rowan here thinks to herself is that what he thinks a high king should be a man who was on the verge of tears atop his war horse. this is a man who his sister is potentially lost to him through her own devices like through her own choices and he may never get her back and he's being emotional about that and for rowan that's like a sign of weakness and i think That we all know at this point, that is not
0: a sign of weakness. That is definitely not a sign of weakness.
1: Yeah, that is compassion. And being able to like being in touch with your emotions is like being able to speak another language, right? Like it's in terms of it's useful. It's completely useful. It's being able to speak emotion, to convey it, to feel it is something that when you open yourself up to that, you become a broader, bigger person.
0: And I will say that Will being emotional here shows how kingly he really is it, for me. Because, you know, yes. we it was just in a sentence, but Immodane has come back to his side. Remember how Imodane treated him at the beginning of the season? And this just shows that Immodane sees the king and Will Kenrith, that Will Kenrith is the high king because he demonstrates these qualities of mercy and emotion and I think this just goes to show the differences in his and Rowan's thinking and like like you said, Harless, is that Rowan looks at Will on the verge of tears and sees weakness, but will is demonstrating the best kingly qualities in this moment by being on the verge of tears of realizing that he's lost a sister. It's just it's it's just a, such a duality that I don't think the twins have ever been here before.
1: No, I don't think so. And in fact, What's really crazy here is that Rowan actually charges at him, her blood
0: absolutely singing with magic and her sword clashing with his. I never thought I'd see Rowan and Will clashing blades like this, like actually fighting each other. It's wild, right? But they definitely are. And Will tries to
1: get Rowan to see, using emotion to try and break through this shroud she's hiding behind, bringing up their younger siblings, Hazel and Eric, but it does not work. And according to the story, Rowan is stronger than Will is. She's always been stronger. Under a relentless barrage of blows, he's beaten back, step by step, his warriors splitting to let him pass. But eventually, there is one thing that does stop Rowan. A bolt of ice. Her feet are frozen to the floor. Row, I'm sorry, Will says. I didn't help you when you needed it. It isn't what she was expecting from him. There's a sharp feeling at the corner of her eyes, a pain in her chest. An arrow flies over her head, landing in a dreamer behind her. She cannot look at Will for too long, or she's not going to be able to speak. She glances over her
0: shoulder toward Ariette. And here Rowan sees that Kellen and Ruby had gotten free from their cell and were closing in on Ariette. Kellen with flashes of light from his hilts, and Ruby with her magnificent ice sword. Ariette was a powerful witch, but she's not a fighter, so those two are just too much for her. And Will asks Rowan here, you want to save her? And Rowan argues that Ariette is their aunt, which she is, and that magic is in their blood. And Rowan wants to use it to save Eldrine, to which Will responds, I don't know you anymore. And oof. Yeah, that's a hard thing to hear from a twin. And Rowan is hurt.
1: Sparks, an immense surge of energy born out of anger, pour from her as she attacks the knights surrounding Will. It is just this blind rage crackling toward them. But when the dust settles, all she had attacked was a cocoon of ice Will had built up around them all, which he dismisses as soon as Rowan stops her rampage. So instead, Rowan tries her sword, something she'd always excelled at over her brother. Except, Immodane intervenes. An arm of enchanted wood stops her blade mid
0: swing. And this is when Ashiok returns. Veils of black coalesce into Ashiok's elegant form before the gathered army. Rowan turns to Will and Imadane, saying, Will isn't the only one with friends. They can't easily fight this off. Ashiok at the center is surrounded on all sides by their dreamers, and their dreamers are all too happy to defend. The phalanx must break if they're to attack. Imedane sends a haymaker Rowan's way. She doesn't bother to dodge. Her nose cracks. The world around her spins. Copper floods her mouth. Worth it, if it gets her closer. Because there is something Rowan understands, something they don't know. The gathered knights cannot win against Ashiok. All she has to do is hold out long enough for Ariette to send all of them to sleep. Rowan drives the pommel of her sword into Imedane's face. A moment's concentration is enough to channel sparks through the knight's armor. She howls, splitting off from the fight to try to tear off her plate mail, but she isn't the only enemy Rowan faces. A dozen knights, at least, have gathered to defend her brother while the others hold off the dreamers.
1: Rowan says, you're only saying that because you've always been too weak to do it. Would diplomacy have stopped Oko? The Orik?" And okay, so really quick history lesson for listeners out there who haven't read the original Throne of Eldraine or Strixhaven School of Mages. This might be the first time you're hearing the name Oko. And long story short, Oko is a fae, an incredibly mischievous one, and was up to no good in the original throne of Eldraine. Oko is a shapeshifter, so had tried to trick everyone so he could take down the High King of Eldraine, Rowan and Will's father. Ultimately, it was Rowan and Will's combined magic that stopped him. The areek, were powerful dark mages that they had come across during their studies at Strixhaven. And once again, it was Rowan and Will's combined magic, and some of Liliana's, that overcame that foe too. So what Rowan is saying here is that them defeating their foes in the past was not about diplomacy. It was about force and utilizing their magic, which is so frustrating to read because it's clear That their combined magic, their unity,
0: their unity between the two of them is what brings them so much power. I wanted to scream to Rowan right here over, uh, like, Will has a point, you know, like, Rowan's point is that it's not about diplomacy. It's not about talking to our foes. But it's like what Rowan is saying here is that it's not about diplomacy. It's not about talking to their foes. It's about taking them down by force. But what she's failing to see is that the only reason they had overcome their foes is together. Like, the only yeah. way that Rowan and Will had triumphed over the Orik or triumphed over Oko and stopped him, was because they had each other. And now the rift between them is going to crumble before her eyes. Like, I, I wanted to scream to her <laughs> that that wasn't the point.
1: It's so frustrating. And while Rowan advances towards Will, his guards falling to the slumber as they do, she notices that Kellen had slipped through and was now directly lashing out at Ashiok. She's not worried. One boy against Ashiok is
0: no contest. So instead, Rowan continues talking to her brother. If you'd talked to the Phyrexians, she said, do you think our parents would be alive right now? She launches herself at will. For years they've sparred, for years they've known each other's minds. She knows every trick he has, but he too knows hers. And with his back to the wall, he's desperate, chilling the air around her, conjuring shields at the last second icing the ground to throw off her balance. Does power matter that much to you, he asks? Power is the only thing that matters, Rowan says. Rowan declares here that it's over. All of Will's knights had fallen asleep. But then Will begins to smile. What was the line? Don't be so certain. And this is when Rowan turns
1: and the icy bolt hits Ashiok, who had been pinned by Kellen, distracted. Ashiok howls in pain as the ice spreads through their body, and then they disappear in a puff of smoke. And during this, Ruby had closed in on Ariette, and her blade is now against the witch's throat. Ariette connects into Rowan's mind, telling her to leave from this place. When the time is right, they will meet again, she tells her. Rowan struggles to listen to Ariette at first, feeling the loss is just too much for her. But then Rowan realizes that if she does not go, she will be apprehended by her brother, spared, but she would always be the one who rebelled, the one Will forgave. And Rowan knows there is no going back. There's no going home. Not after everything that had happened. And with a blast of magic, a boom louder than the fall of a giant, Rowan launches into the air. Will calls out to her, but she doesn't listen. She blasts herself out of the castle, funneling all of her magic downward in this sort of massive leap. And then she's gone. What was it Royce had said to her? If you do not make time for rest, it will come to you when you least expect. It is the same for Eldraine. How many blows have they weathered by now? How many shattered dreams? If they are to be strong again, if they are to be unified, they need to forge those dreams anew. They need to rest, as does Rowan. One day, she'll bring that blessed slumber to the rest of Eldraine.
0: Oh, snap. (laughs) (laughs) And that's that is how Rowan leaves, like through this blast of magic, which I have to say was pretty epic. But it it makes me all the more disappointed in Rowan as to why she left. And now she has just abandoned her brother. Rowan girl, (laughs) what is going on with you? So anyway, back in Castle Ardenvale, Ariette has been apprehended by Will, Kellen, Ruby and the others. It's over. The High King Kenrith, Will, invites Kellen and Ruby to come to the palace whenever they like, welcomed like members of the family. Kellen remarks that the High King is hurting. This is probably due to the loss of his sister. And Ruby takes Will up on the offer, and together they start making plans for Ruby and her brother Peter to come to Castle Ardenvale and unify the realm together. And during this, when Ruby and the High King are talking through their their grand plans, Kellen slips away and steps into the fae world.
1: We fast forward a little bit more in time, and we are back in Orangeshire once more. The sleepy village had hardly changed in Kellen's absence. A sleepy farm outside a sleepier village, a place that knows struggle only against the weather and soil. Here, among the paddocks and pastures of Orangeshire, there is no talk of heroes. The quiet sits strangely in Kellen's ears as he walks the beaten path to his family farm. He's never been so grateful for distant bleats and wood chopping axes. After everything he's been through, silence fits him like a shrunken coat. This whole place does. And as he returns home, his dog, Hex, bounds up to him first, ecstatic that he's home. What a good boy. Good would love boy. to see it. <laughs> Even his parents are in tears when they embrace him again, exclaiming that he's come home and they're just so excited. And then Kellen's mother
0: gifts him with an incredible woven coat and I'll read the description for you. Every thread is vibrant and beautiful, from the deepest azures to the brightest yellows. Where gold is called for, he is shocked to find thread of gold itself. Colors and material alone would beggar the village, but the details would beggar even a city like Edgewall. Embroidered throughout are elks frolicking among the elms and beeches surrounding Orangeshire. Along the cuffs are primroses in bloom, Below one pocket, a girl sits before a pond of clear water, her reflection staring back at her. And the lining. Here he sees the girl again, following a man whose skin is streaked with blue. His mother even says that she's enchanted it so it would never get ruined. She sits with him while Ronald gets them tea, and Kellen reveals to his mother that when he returned to the Fey world to cash in on his quest with the Fey lord, he ended up changing his mind. He didn't have Talion tell him anything about his father. He wanted to hear it from his mother instead. Which is so sweet. I so love that sweet. so much. Yeah, that is so sweet that he decided that he just wanted to hear it from her. And and so his mother tells him the truth. His father is Oko. Oko. Like the Oko. And this really kind of makes
1: sense, right? Because whenever Talion would say that his father was beginning to show himself in Kellen. Well, Oko was conniving in a trickster and definitely was not heroic. So it sounds like their personalities are pretty different. And we know that from the Throne of Eldraine. But Kellen's mother actually reveals a different side of Oko, something that we haven't seen before in the conniving trickster. The side where he was actually in love with her. As an apprentice witch, Kellen's mother learned magic from Oko. And in their many rendezvous, Oko said he came from a realm where Fae ruled supreme and promised Kellen's mother a throne there one day. But Kellen's mother, as being a witch, was outcast, treated poorly by others. And Oka was furious at the people who mistreated her. Eventually, he even hurt people who had been unkind to her, and that was when Kellen's mother realized they couldn't continue, no matter how much she loved him. I wasn't meant to be queen, you see. After all that struggle, I wanted peace. But he wanted to raise this place to the ground for offending me. She then tells Kellen that Oko visited again three years ago. I heard him calling to me while I was spinning one night. And though the girl within me wanted to go to him, the woman
0: I've become knew what I'd be giving up if I did. I'm far happier here with you. So obviously Kellen has a lot to unpack here. The truth about his father and for us as readers, too. He remarks that because Oko is a shapeshifter, it's possible he's already met him. He just didn't know. And both Harless and I, when we read that, we were immediately like, wait, when? And we went back trying to unpack possibilities of Kellen had met Oko during his adventure and who it would have been and when. We had some fun speculating on that. And I'm curious if anyone out there also has ideas of any possibility of when Kellen might have met Oko before. So anyway, later... Kellen can't sleep. I really don't blame him. And he's a little upset his father hasn't shown himself. The poor kid is blaming himself, asking himself, Am I not good enough? And I really felt for Kellen here. It's such an earnest, truthful, vulnerable truth we often encounter in our young selves. We compare ourselves and we question whether there's something wrong with us. Part of what it means to be a teenager, especially. So Kellen asking himself this is like really real and emotional and candid. So, with this in mind, he goes for a walk out into the farmlands with Hex, wearing his new coat. The wilds don't frighten him anymore. The woods will never betray him. Partway through the walk, Hex runs off, and Kellen runs after him. When he finally catches up to Hex, through many of the boughs in the woods, Hex is barking at a portal. That must be what it is. A swirling series of interlocking triangles, something like a cloudy mirror standing free beneath the swaying branches of the trees. It looks nothing like the portals into Talion's realm. The other side looks nothing like Eldraine.
1: Helen thinks to himself, I'll be right back. As if this is just a continuation of his casual walk, and he steps through the portal. He isn't really leaving home. He's just taking a trip somewhere. It's no different than going to the market. He isn't leaving home. He'll be right back. And, well, that is how we end Kellen's story for Wilds of Eldraine. There's a piece from the set called Extraordinary Journey that captures when Kellen finds this portal. And just knowing what we know about this is, it's like the one Chandra and Nissa had come across a few episodes ago in the aftermath. And I'm thinking Kellen's not going to just be right no, back. He, I don't think he's, he's going to be, gonna back be right quick. back. <laughs>
0: he's an adventurer now. He's a hero now. He's got stuff to do. Yeah. And actually, the episode doesn't quite end there. We have just a really brief ending note to this episode, and we switch to Ariette's perspective, who is held prisoner in Castle Ardenvale. Ashiok appears before her. They say, very cryptically, preparations need to be made. Ariette asks upon Rowan where her niece might be, but Ashiok just responds, she is not yet ready for what must be done. Opportunity calls us in a new direction, one far from here. You will learn much. And if you wish, you may return to educate her. By then you will have a host of serpents to tend your new queendom. And then Ashiok releases Ariette from the chains holding her, just stating that she will be, quote, far from here. And that is the end of Wilds of Eldraine. I have so many burning questions. I absolutely love this storyline. I love Eldraine so much. It's
1: so fairy tale, And the story gave me so much of what I wanted out of going back to Eldraine. When I first joined the company, when I first joined Magic the Gathering, Throne of Eldraine had come out kind of recently. And even though we were in a different set at the time, Throne of Eldraine is truly what got me interested in magic and what got me started playing. And I've even cosplayed as a character from uh, that set. So which isn't hard for me to do. I have long red hair and the card is trapped in a tower in case you're wondering. Um, but I just really enjoyed this. It gave me everything I wanted out of a fairy tale and more. And I grew to love these characters so much. Like I did not have a hard time being
0: best, feeling like these are my best friends. And every time I was leaving the story, I wanted to come back to it. Absolutely, yeah. And I think we have a phenomenal new character for Magic in the form of Kellen. I am so excited on Kellen's new adventure because he's definitely going to a different realm. And I think we're going to see a lot more of Kellen in the future. I hope so.
1: I really it's Kellen is one of those heroes where he just reminds you of like everyone has that innocent innocence before they become an adult. Right. And I've said this before, but Kellen really gives us that and allows us to project ourselves onto that character in this way that really makes you feel like he's making the right decisions. He's doing what I would want to do. Like he's very morally um, black, like a little bit morally black and white right now. Right. Yeah. I'm interested to see.
0: I'm interested to see if that will Yeah, especially knowing now who his father is, because yes. that's definitely not Oko. Oh, my gosh. Like Oko's, Oko's moral compass has a lot of gray area.
1: <laughs> right. And so I'm interested to see Kellen kind of grow into his own self and see who Kellen becomes. Yeah. I also am so excited that Ruby is working with Will to get Castle Ardenville back up to where it needs to be, as well oh, yeah. as the realm oh, yeah. back where it needs to be. She'll do a great job. That's exciting. Yeah, she's going to do great. And she's got Peter there with her, too. And I just imagine they're going to have really important
0: roles to play in the restoration of Eldraine after the Phyrexian invasion. Absolutely, And the wicked slumber. And the wicked slumber. And I, I am so curious. I have so many questions, and it's not given to us. What are Ariette and Ashiok going to do? <laughs> They're, it's obviously going to be bad. I don't trust. I them. don't trust them at all. I don't trust them at all. But <laughs> Ashiak is so cryptic. Over, we're going to go far from here and you know achieve things. Achieve what things? What business was Ashiak doing that brought them away from Eldraine earlier in this episode? I yeah. have so many questions about what they're up to, and unfortunately, we were not given any answers. I have so many ideas and speculations, but I guess we're just going to have to wait.
1: We'll have to wait and see what happens. Well, we have concluded the story of Wilds of Eldraine, but luckily, there are so many more stories to be told in magic. And we will see you in a new season very shortly, where we will journey to the lost caverns of Ixalan. Going back to Ixalan, land of the dinosaurs. That's the one, Natalie. So stay tuned for those episodes coming to you right around the corner. We'll start dropping these episodes as soon as the fiction story is available on mtgstory.com, so you can get your story fix even earlier than ever before. Also, if you didn't know, we were in Las Vegas for MagicCon just the other week, and we actually got to do a live recording where we interviewed not only the author, of Wilds of Eldrain, K. Arsenal Rivera, but also our internal Wizards narrative lead and our game design lead on all things Eldrain's Story. It was an amazing peel back the curtain to get some behind the scenes and extra context for this story, especially as we transitioned from the Phyrexian invasion and paving the future of Kellen's story, which has only just begun. And the good news is that we're dropping that live broadcast from Vegas right here
0: on the Magic Story podcast next week. Thanks to everyone who continues to support Magic Story and the podcast. We appreciate each each and every one of you listening out there will see you back in the multiverse very soon. But until then, have, have a, a magical, magical day. day.